with whatever you're facing, parent, mm-hmm. with whatever your kid did, said, didn't do, didn't say, showed up late, snuck out, whatever it is. All of the above. <laughs> right, right, right. E, all of the above. Ask yourself, can I change it? And just keep it super simple. Yes, no, don't know. If yes, then you're going to generate courage. And while you're not in the middle of, of catching your teenage daughter sneaking in or out of your home, ahead of that incident, ahead of great grandma's dish being broken into a, a billion kajillion pieces, you're going to generate three immediate actions that work for you to generate courage. Maybe that is to take a, take a knee and pray. Maybe that's to take a walk Maybe that's to take a time out and meditate. Maybe that's some sort of action that generates courage for you. You identify those three things and you write them down. Here's my courage playlist. Welcome, Blissful Parenting family. I'm Michelle Abraham, your host. And today I'm bringing you a really incredible guest. His name is Paul Gowan. Paul, welcome to the show today. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me, Michelle. I'm really excited to, to be on here with you. You're welcome. We're super excited to hear to have you with us because you just have such an interesting background. I'm going to tell our listeners a little bit about it right now. So Paul's an international trainer, guys. He's a human performance strategist and he's a speaker. And Paul has been instructing veterans, service providers, like service members, like first responders and police and organizations to elevate their health, life, and their business. And Paul's students usually become leaders or are leaders of all levels and they learn to max maximize the efficiency and of their personal and their organizational goals, which is really a unique blend of your past experience in military, plus also what you've learned in your own life. And you've created this fundamental program, which is like called Take Command, uh, yeah. how to take command of your life and beyond, go beyond your expectations, both personally and professionally. And I love that. And so uh, the actual program and the, and the framework that you use, Paul, again, is called learn how to take command of your life. And, and that's, that's the name of the program. Yeah. I, I call it the take command project. Take command just, project. I knew it was the, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> there's so many that. ways that I want to reach yeah. people and just whatever their learning style is. Uh, I just call the whole thing just it, it's the take, take command, command project. project. I love it. Yeah, That's great. So clean, simple take command project. So yeah. guys, super excited to dive in with Paul today and learn more about that and how us as parents can help maybe incorporate that into our family lives at home and at, in our businesses as well. So thanks, Paul, for being here. Yeah, thank, what a great intro! Thank you so much for that. That was fabulous. You're welcome. So let's dive in at the beginning. So let's tell us a little bit about you, Paul. How did you get started in being the being the go-to person for people to be able to really take command of their life? Yeah, it, it's a result of my own journey. I was running away from the majority of my life for the majority of my life. I grew up in a tough household of physical abuse, emotional abuse. I was also sexually assaulted as a, a four-year-old. I was raped by the uh, neighbor kid. And I grew up in this place of, we need to forget about that. We need to not talk about that. And that created a lot of shame inside of me. And I continued to run away from the assault, the uh, uh, abuse, the bullying in school. And that led me to join in the United States Marine Corps. There, I really found a great place. I, I was promoted very quickly. Mm-hmm. recognized for my abilities to think outside of the box. I was put in for a commissioning program. So I'm 1% of the Marine Corps that, that we call ourselves Mustangs who start out enlisted and then finish our service as an officer. 
I still found myself running from my past. And when I deployed to Afghanistan in just the chaos of warfare and not sleeping, and then just seeing just the worst of what humans can do to each other, that really drudged everything up that I had. I had forgotten about some things. And when I got back to America, still a Marine, questioning, like, what am I doing? What do I stand for? And I continued to run and I continued to run and found solace through pizza and bourbon whiskey. I gained a lot of weight. I was drunk 24-7 and I finished out my, my career at about 15 years. Went home to Montana, which I lovingly say is Southern Canada for any of you Canadian listeners. I love Great. you all. <laughs> and it, it was there that I, I came to a decision point. Continued to withdraw from society to where I was exploring taking my own life mm-hmm. or take a stand and take command of the choices that I do have in my life to create a foothold, to move my life forward of the direction of my own choosing. And in that space of not really knowing how to do the latter, I was very familiar with death. Marines are trained to kill people from the earliest moments. I wasn't as familiar with how to set goals for myself. So when I looked at what the military taught me in terms of how to break down any mission and plan it out so that you can succeed, I started there and all other things have just taken hold since then. I've been able to start my own business, enter a loving uh, relationship after I was divorced and my kids are thousands of miles away. I entered a, a loving relationship now with my wonderful lady, Valerie, and just everything is gaining that traction because I chose to take command of that piece that I have control of, which is, which is me, my outlook on the world, my emotional response, my words, a lot of those things. Wow, you have an incredible story. How in that moment do you decide one or the other? And what is it? What pulled you out into the to the path that you're on today? Like what was was there any particular thing that happened in that moment? Yeah. You know, I think the way that we we change the conversation around mental health mm-hmm. in the world is to have the conversation about mental health. So mm-hmm. I'd I'd like to get really real with you and, and your listeners here. Sure. Part of my mental health journey was people telling me that suicide is not an option. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that is not true. If your listeners are listening to this, maybe they've lost friends or family to suicide. I know with the 20, almost 20 years at war, I'm losing friends still today mm-hmm. to suicide. Yeah. So when confronted that that wasn't a choice, that was fundamentally false. That was a lie. Mm-hmm. So the first thing that I started doing was telling the truth. Mm-hmm. And I said, although taking my life is an option, I don't want to do that. Mm. And in that space, I reclaimed my authority. I reclaimed my consent. I took a stand. I made a choice. And I started taking action in the other direction. Well, how do I want to live? Well, Mm. I want to celebrate in life. I want to smile more. And I didn't feel like celebrating. I didn't have anything to really smile about. So. I forced myself and I just, <laughs> is, is this televised or are they going to see the video of this? They're going to see the video. Literally what I did was I took, okay, I wasn't smiling. So I was like this. And then I took my fingers and I did this. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a mirror or anything, but that action of raising the corners of your mouth, for those of you who are just listening to this, raising the corners of your mouth with your fingers has the muscle response, it's tied in with the brain, and in that space, you can get a dopamine drip. Mm. You can start feeling good, even though you didn't feel good. And so I started doing these things, like hacking into neuroscience, Mm -hmm. 
for I don't feel good about life right now. What can I do to change that? And that has changed my ability to love myself, mm-hmm. love my lady, love my kids, mm-hmm. love my former wife, interact with her. Um, I just spent five weeks living in her house with my kids over in Okinawa, Japan. And it really came down to sometimes moment by moment decisions of what can I take control over? Mm-hmm. And that always, it comes back to me, my outlook, my perspective, my words, my language. So in that moment, it was just, how can I feel better about the situation? Wow. That was a big answer. Did that? <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. yeah, it was a good answer. And I myself, I lost a lot of friends actually in high school or just after high school, mostly males to yeah. suicide. And so I know the impact it has on on families and friends, and it's in, it's incredible. And if you don't mind, we can if we can talk about this for a few minutes because I think it may help yeah. some parents at home. I mean, I've had personally like I, like kids these days are talking about suicide like earlier and earlier. And like, so if yes. you, we have listeners whose kids are saying things like, "I don't want to be here anymore. I just want I'd rather be gone. Or, I want to kill myself. Right. Or, right. Nobody loves me. Right. What are some things that you would suggest from you now being on the other side of things and helping people take command? What is, what is something that we can do for our kids in that situation? There's going to be some immediate care. And, and please know that your emergency response system has people that are better trained than you are. Even if you are one of those leading authorities, it's your baby. Mm-hmm. You are going to be impaired in your ability to think clearly through that immediate situation, that emergent situation of how to triage your child that's saying that. So in the prevention side, Mm -hmm. there was a study done a few years ago about teenagers when asked, like, how was your day? Mm -hmm. And those people that said good, bad, fine, nice, were exponentially more at risk for anxiety, depression, and suicide Mm -hmm. than those people who used words like challenging, difficult. I didn't enjoy when the teacher made me stand at the front of the class and read aloud. Mm -hmm. When you access your ability of language, this amazing tool that we have handed down from our ancestors, Mm -hmm. thousands of generations working so you and I can communicate on this podcast right now, Mm -hmm. and you leverage that and you just dig a little bit deeper with your child and you role model that as well, that is going, and and that's scientifically proven, Mm -hmm. that is going to give you an edge to reduce the likelihood of suicidal ideation, depression, and anxiety. And when you role model it, Mm. that you interact with your kids and you say, hey, what did you enjoy the most about today? Not how did your day go? Mm. Structure the question. Was there anything that tripped you up today or that caused some anxiety for you that you didn't enjoy? Wow. And then you hear your child out and then get in there also. Can I tell you about my day? Mm. Like, Allow the kids the peek behind the curtain mm-hmm. to show the humanity of the parent. Mm-hmm. And when you are going to use words beyond the good, fine, nice, then you're going to give, you're going to extend that vocabulary to that next generation with this oldest tool in humanity. Hmm, yeah, that's a great point. And giving them permission. And the, like you said, just they don't even know the language I find sometimes. And that's something that we're, we're working with with our, young, our oldest, actually seven, just the language behind the emotion. Like, <laughs> what? how do we describe how we're feeling right now? What are those words? And those are something they don't teach in school. It's not, no. it's not something that's talked about a lot. So yeah, just really educating them on those words and what this feeling means yeah. is the 
I feel like this, that's where we're starting right now. And it's, it's interesting to see the difference sometimes when we're able to verbalize those, those feelings. And I love what you're saying, modeling it, be the model. Yeah. My day wasn't good either. This is what happened. And you know, I right. felt way and more that we can share or when we've done something wrong, owning up to it, I found has been really helpful as well so that he can see us owning up to something we haven't done quite well. And then he can do the same then. I think those are great. And so yeah, absolutely. Any other tips or any other advice on that? And then we'll jump to something else. Oh, I don't, I, I, I think we can talk topics. about it for hours. I know, so it's I, a huge, huge topic. We'll have to bring you back again and talk a whole episode. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The power is in the words. It really is. And you know, the a story of, of John Lennon, I think it was when asked to fill out this sentence completion exercise as a kid, mm-hmm. what do you want to be when you're older? Mm-hmm. And he said, happy. Mm-hmm. And the teacher said, I don't think you understand the question. Yeah. And I think he had some sort of retort of neither do you, or, or maybe you don't understand the answer. And when we can, we can create that space for our children to use this oldest tool mm-hmm. to accurately talk about what it is that they are processing through their perceptions of the world, mm-hmm. then we've, we've gone upstream. We've gone to the source of the anxiety and the depression, and that is the perspectives of the world. Mm-hmm. And we use that language as a tool to access that and preemptively give tools to work with that anxiety, but then also give the tools for growth because we're all, the biggest change point in my life was believing, even despite the story that I've been telling myself for my 15 year career mm-hmm. in, the mil- in the military, everyone here is doing the best they can. Mm. Everybody is doing the best they can. And yes, you can show me some outliers that their intentions would be completely nefarious. That's okay. Overall, I'm going to round up and just believe that the whole world is doing the best they can. And that just shifted my perspective in the world. So if kids can believe that about their parents and their parents can believe that about their kids, Mm -hmm. and then you role model how it is that you're doing the best you can. We can change a lot of what we see within politics and a lot of this reporting around the world of just like unrefined hatred and war because it's not there. I've been around the world. There's a lot of beautiful, loving people. And I think this language is how we, how we change that conversation. Yeah. I mean, that's brilliant. And I think changing the conversation at home is going to, like you said, it's going to ripple effect out into the world. If we can start with our kids, really change the way we speak to them. And, you know, listening back to our generation or our grandparents' generation, how kids were spoken to or how they were, yeah. you know, not seen and seen, but not heard, you know, those yep. kinds of things that we start changing those things that we are in predisposition to you know, automatically do, because that's what we've seen or done. And from our, our history as well, like I think learning that is, I think that's been one of the toughest things as a parent to uncondition that programming and right, right. kind of kids, they're smart. They've got electronics. They're, they're fast moving. They're in a whole different world than we were, than we grew up in. And Completely. it's really, and a little bit scary to kind of navigate this whole parenting thing right now. But I think if we can bring it back down, just like you said, to the basics of communication and that mutual respect for children and parents and owning up to us and what we're doing and that we're not perfect and we're doing the best we can. I think that right. Was- perfectly said. Do you find, you know, in your program now, take command of your life. Has that command in in that, did that discipline and learning how to become that way? Did that come from your experience uh, as as in the, in the army? 
well, quick point of order. I was a Marine. Marine uh, I have right. a lot. And I knew as soon as I said Army. It's like, okay. It's okay. Not all countries have a Marine Corps. Uh, and that's a good <laughs> thing. Um, I, that was the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're, you're good. In, in the military service, it, it was a lot of structure. One of the, the things that my parents got really right was my involvement in Boy Scouts. Mm. That is a phenomenal leadership program. I'm not as familiar with what they currently have. There's been numerous changes since my involvement in the program. It provided the structure and because of just unique circumstances that I was a charter member of our our troop, Mm -hmm. we had enormous innovation Mm -hmm. because we didn't have the way it had always been done. We had go read it from the Boy Scout handbook, get out and apply it, refine it, adapt it, perfect it. And I think that that, is, that has helped me more than the, the details of the training within the Marine Corps. Because although it is the smallest branch of military in America, by comparison, it is relatively innovative. 15 years in the ranks, mm-hmm. uh, it was mired down with careerism bureaucracy, people advancing their own agenda. And I didn't have that flexibility like I did as a a, a charter member of a Boy Scout troop Mm -hmm. of absolute innovation. So although the Marine Corps did a lot of great things, I would, I would say the the real space came from uh, my Boy Scout training. Mm. I love that. I was a girl guy for 21 years. So, and I went went to Switzerland and I traveled all over the world with girl guides. And I think like a lot of my success today actually came from being a girl guide and the volunteer work that we had to do is yeah. And like the, the, like going out there and like selling cookies and, you know, doing right. earning badges and doing things and that were all like positive impact in the environment and the world. I think right. an incredible experience in the teamwork and like the camping, the nature, like I yeah. think all like super amazing. And my daughter starts Sparks next year. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> this is the first What did you so Sparks? Sparks is the, the kindergartners that get to start. Oh, wow. So yeah. So in Canada, we have girl guides. Like you guys have girl scouts. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I am hearing around the world that the Boy Scouts are closing down and they're not having having troops anymore. And that really makes me upset because I I had such a huge, it, it was a huge impact on my life as it was yours. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really sad. So I'm hoping there's something that can emerge that it's going to be really beneficial for the kids that can be like the Boy Scouts or the Girl Guide. Communities around the world want this for our youth. Need this, we, yeah, absolutely. And I, I went to this uh, business summit the other day that was put on by the Veterans Affairs, and there was two entrepreneurs in there that were in the board game business. They wanted to open up a board game business. And this is this huge boom in the market right now that people want to come together and play. And the founder of Girl Guides and Boy Scouts is a a British war hero, Lord Lord Robert Baden-Pole. And him and his sister really started this youth movement over 100 years ago. Over 100 years ago, board games were also really successful. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that that's an indication by the market that there's going to be a a place in community for more youth development. Yeah. And I I think that would just be a great shout out to your audience of get involved in some sort of community citizenship building, some sort of moral code that can help your child guide their development as they get all of these like chemicals and hormones and growth and teasing and bullying and all of it. There's, there's a structure to help them navigate that, that change. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I love that you did that. 
Yeah, <laughs> very familiar with Lord Baden Powell. Same, same as our girl guide. So yeah, cool. yeah. We did. Um, it was interesting because we, as a family, we moved out of the city a few years ago. Live off the grid now. We live in a small town, and we did it so our kids would spend more time with nature. We have iPads, but we don't have TV like channels and things like that. And so yeah. we spend a lot more time playing board games and a lot more time like interacting as a family. And it's it's been interesting to see the last three years the impact that's kind of had on our family as a unit like the togetherness and like the time together has been really yeah. interesting so I think that's been a really great uh, I think that's great that board games are coming out again and like for like more family time and like electronics family time I think is so great right right <laughs> what's like, your guys's favorite board game that you play Oh, we play this. Uh, my kids love. They, it's a card game, actually, that my kids love. It's Old Maid is their favorite one. Oh, <laughs> they play that yeah. one all the time. <laughs> Old oh, it's fabulous. It's, their favorite board board game is Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> when I played as a kid too. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I love that because then you get to bring those experiences and those memories. And you know, the the board game provides an opportunity for additional life lessons. Mm-hmm can you can in, incorporate strategy and then take that away from the board game or take it away from the card game and have that discussion of strategy for life mm-hmm. like do you remember when you were wanting to advance your your token here but you didn't because you saw this other opportunity so it is in life son daughter mm-hmm. you can hold back and look at the whole board before you advance that next move that next piece and that creates just such an opportunity beyond what is available for online gaming yeah, uh, I, I love that. That's your favorite game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's very funny. Yeah, when there's the no lights on at night, and we have the the uh, have our little propane lights going on. What what can we do? That's fun. And yeah, the kids always love. Sorry, that's really cool. I'd love, love to uh, love to talk all about the parents. So, how can the parents yeah. maybe uh, after having kids, they've been parents yep. for a few years. Feel like they kind of lost themselves, and I feel a little out of control with oh, yeah. all, all the kids stuff going on, and all the sports, and they here and there, and like, how do we feel like we take command of our own lives back? Yes, and not just in parenting, right? When you have some initial success in business, when you've had some initial success in your marriage, like, how do you like continue to move forward and grow without losing yourself? Mm-hmm. You take an inventory of what's really going on. Mm-hmm. And the first thing to do is to clean up some language. If you are using the word should. You're shitting on yourself. <laughs> oh, you heard that? Yes. There is only one like neutral kind of positive way to use the word should. And that's more of like a cause and effect. And if then, should we go late in the, the taping of this podcast, then the dog's not getting fed. They, the kids are going to get fed late too, right? That is like the neutral. Everything else, uh, every other use of the word represents you adopting somebody else's expectations on your own, as your own, and not coming from a place of like claiming your authority, claiming your consent. Because people that have that consent and authority don't use that word. So clean up that word first. And if you're, if you're looking at disciplining your child, and I'll just get real, you know, using a belt to spank a child, to beat a child with. That was commonplace in Eastern Montana in the 80s. That was physical abuse that was done to me. Mm -hmm. So if I'm getting ready to discipline my child, should can serve as an excellent red flag for you to look at that entire board game and then strategically make it to advance that next piece. 
I guess to tie in an, a piece from the previous <laughs> part of our conversation here. And if you find yourself saying to your child, you should be grateful because you didn't experience what I experienced as a kid, they have no basis of comparison. Mm-hmm. Clean up your language, be the adult. If you say that I should go get my belt and, and spank my child, assault, physically abuse my child with this belt, well, then listen to the should. Mm. No, you are, you're taking on that standard before you applied your consent, your authority, your cognition as the adult to challenge what you were raised with. Mm. I think 90% of issues, if we just challenge how we were raised, ask ourselves, is there a why? Is there a context in which to beat a child with a belt? And the answer comes back, no. Is there a space to discipline a child so they can learn what is right or wrong? Yes, absolutely. So clean up that language and then challenge those beliefs. While you're doing that, audit your feelings. Mm-hmm. Like the feelings in your body. Like when you've been having a, a tough day at work, at work, do you feel tension in your throat and your shoulders? Mm-hmm. Okay, then breathe to bring that down to a more neutral space. If the kids just dropped and shattered into a thousand kajillion pieces, great grandma's turkey dish, and you feel that energy and it's normally like chilled out in your chest, drop to your gut. Okay, well, breathe that back up to center. And uh, one of the things I share with my clients is just take a look at the, uh, you, are you familiar with the serenity prayer? No. Have you ever heard of that? It's in 12-step programs and addiction and recovery a lot. I'm going to share this with you and, and any of your listeners that know the words, go ahead and join along. Mm-hmm. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's also like, it doesn't really commit to action. Mm -hmm. So as a Marine, I commit to action and I use frameworks to help me out. So here's the framework with whatever you're facing parent Mm -hmm. with whatever your kid did said, didn't do, didn't say showed up late, snuck out, whatever it is. All the above. (laughs) Right, right, right. E all of the above. Ask yourself, can I change it? And just keep it super simple. Yes, no, don't know. If yes, then you're going to generate courage. And while you're not in the middle of, of catching your teenage daughter sneaking in or out of your home, ahead of that incident, ahead of great grandma's dish being broken into a billion kajillion pieces, you're going to generate three immediate actions that work for you to generate courage. Maybe that is to take a, take a knee and pray. Maybe that's to take a walk Maybe that's to take a time out and meditate. Maybe that's some sort of action that generates courage for you. You identify those three things and you write them down. Here's my courage playlist. Can I change this? Yes, no, don't know. If you come up with no, then generate serenity. And you're gonna generate, like you're gonna have identified three ways to generate serenity so you don't have to think about it in the moment when you are struggling to breathe that energy back down. Come up with those three ways. That might be meditation. That might be deep breaths. That might be talking to your spouse. That might be calling your mom and your dad, uh, finding out, hey, did I do this? <laughs> what did y'all do? And then if you ask yourself, can I change this? Yes, no, don't know. And it comes back as I don't know. That's okay. Mm-hmm. Generate wisdom. And in the calm, that's not the storm. Even if it's in the middle of the storm, you're going to generate those three ways that you can create wisdom talking to a coach, talking to another parent, tuning into blissful parenting. Like there's going to be an episode somewhere that can generate some wisdom for you. 
you create those options before you're in the situation. So that way, when you're in the situation, can I change this? Yes, no, don't know. No. Generate serenity. How am I going to generate serenity? I'm going to take some deep breaths. <laughs> okay, I feel better already. <laughs> and if they do that, they clean up the language, get rid of the should, and then they're aware of, can I change this? Yes, no, don't know. In those two steps, they're taking command of themselves. And that's going to completely change them, then their relationships. And then for those that want to apply this at work as well, it will transform their business. Yeah, I can see that when you're not acting, so then you're not reacting in the moment then. Um, so we're going to take a, take a moment in that situation and really think about what our answer is going to be or how we're going right. to respond or how we're going to react. I think that I think that is a missing piece to a big puzzle that I think I can speak for myself. A lot of parents just forget that we're such in the reactive mode right. that <laughs> what comes out is not right anyways. And so if we right. can realize that we're not helping the situation by reacting well, in fact, throwing oil on the fire in most cases <laughs> or right. doing further damage by blame, shame or whatever else that we've heard in our past right. seems to automatically come out of our mouths. We're not doing anyone any good by reacting in that moment. So I think that's a really great, a really taking command of your, of your reaction, I think is a really great way of putting that because it is a self-discipline tool that you really have to practice that self-discipline to not react in the moment. I think that's brilliant. Absolutely. And then don't trust yourself to remember this. <laughs> Write it out on a little note card. Put some clear tape on it, like laminate it by scotch tape if you have to. Mm -hmm. Carry it in your wallet, carry it in your purse, make copies, put it everywhere. Treat it like a fire extinguisher on a boat. <laughs> like there's, there's a fire extinguisher within one arm's distance everywhere you are on a boat. Not because you are intentionally setting fires, it's that fires will kill you on a boat. So have this tool within one arm's reach and then all you've got to take a look at is, well, what is that feeling in my body? Oh, it's up towards my throat. Oh, it's towards my gut. While I'm breathing, I'm going to ask myself, can I change this? Yes, no, don't know. And then you're going to pull out your card and follow the steps that you've already outlined. Mm -hmm. Yes, 100. I love this. I love this. Yeah, I think it's so important. I think it's I think it's a missing piece of a lot of parenting talk too. Like I think it's yes, there's so many tools that you can use and so many techniques to how to talk to your kids. But I think it's that. Yeah. That moment is is so important. That moment that you take to just step back and breathe, right? And give yourself that right. the, the grace of the second to just, okay, yeah. Right. And actually, I've witnessed it in my own home is when I did do take that second, and maybe it's just a long second, like five minutes, and sometimes the behavior disappears, right? It stops itself because the tension is not on it anymore. Instead of in an, another influx and another in another, like goes up a level and another level, never another level. We're trying to solve it in the moment, giving that time and space. Right, right. Helps helps dismantle that fire a little bit. <laughs> yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And this isn't just theoretical for me. I made an emergency trip to go see my kids, where I was scheduled to go see them in April. Mm -hmm. I went and spent five weeks, uh, the whole month of February, out there. And for your discerning listeners, five weeks. Yes, I know that February doesn't have five weeks. There was, a, <laughs> there was a little bit of time at the end of January. And it's because my oldest son, 15 years old, has um, gone unchecked with his discipline to where he is physically abusing my former wife, his mom, mm. his siblings, his grandma. And no one has the just brute force strength 
to stand up against him. Hmm. So I went through a lot of different scenarios. If he attempts to swing at me or there have been um, uh, weapons involved. Now it's Japan, so he's not drawing a shotgun, Mm -hmm. but improvisational weapons sometimes. Chairs, bottles, cups, dishes, those are all weapons. And talking with my former wife, she told me like that this is the state of where he's at. Mm -hmm. So especially as a United States Marine who's been trained for unarmed to armed combat, I don't want to flip around that weapon on my son and then kill him with it because that's what I was trained as a Marine. Mm. So I committed to retraining ahead of the situation. And it's based on this, this truth that got presented to me as we were getting ready to go to Afghanistan. Uh, this old gunny said, Marines don't rise to the occasion. They fall back on their training and that's why we train so hard. Mm. So knowing that it was likely that my son was going to have some sort of 15-year-old temper tantrum Mm-hmm. and that he was going to make the mistake of threatening me. How do I want to respond to that? So I worked it out by saying it out loud and then thinking through the drills in my mind, how can I disarm without dismembering? Mm. How can I diffuse without killing my son? Because that was the training that I had for 15 years. Mm-hmm. In doing that, I changed my training. And when there was that blow up and when there was some improvised weapons used, I was able to diffuse it mm-hmm. and then follow up with him and, and talk about, look, that behavior is not acceptable. And instead of having someone who loves you like me disarm you and diffuse the situation, if you continue this behavior, you're going to have the police involved. Mm-hmm. And if they see the, the, a weapon in your hand, they could just shoot you. Mm-hmm. So to do that, I, it works in that level of it, just extreme situation. Mm-hmm. you can change your training. And that tool that I, I gave your listeners is that way that you can think through exactly how you want to react. I, I like to say respond because mm-hmm. you're changing the reaction and adding some intention to it. Mm-hmm. So you're choosing that response before the situation even comes up because children are looking to you as the parent for that structure. Regardless of what comes out of their mouth or anything else, <laughs> they, they are looking for that structure. That, did that help? That does Is make this... sense. Yeah. And so for you to diffuse that situation, did you yeah. use that, 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 what we were just speaking about, that, that system where you took a moment, figure it out if you could make a decision in this moment? Can oh, you, yeah. Yes. So, so in that moment to do right. that, that's what you did is take a step back and take a moment to. Very rapidly. Wonder, Very. Wonder if that works with older kids. <laughs> I was wondering how that worked. <laughs> well, it, it absolutely does. You know, 15 had a weapon in his hand. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at, can I change this right now? Yes. What are the implications of that action? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, somebody's going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Does it need to be changed right now? No. Then how can I generate serenity as my son is wielding a weapon, threatening me? What do I do? Well, I focused on breathing. I was like, it's not pressing right now that I take any action, make any decision. So right now I'm going to focus on my breath, which helps me think more clearly. Mm. Got the weapon released and then just followed on with the education that you cannot do this. You will not do this to me. And then later, like a couple days later, really talking about, did you understand like, like where were you at mentally at these different stages of opportunities to, to not act this way? Did you see me sitting down? Did you see me using a calm voice? And the reality is, is this helping? Is, oh, totally. Is this story help? This is great, okay. yeah. 
I think like, I think a lot of parents need to hear this because sometimes we're not sure how to disarm or <laughs> diffuse yeah. a situation. Like right. When it's traveling, so it, <laughs> I'm sure it's helping the listeners. Too. Yeah. <laughs> if not, I'm getting great. So it, it, so 100, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It, it 100% centered around his use of his cell phone. Hmm. And the pattern that I observed was he would come home from school and he would spend uh, between seven and 10 hours each afternoon into evening on his cell phone. The cell phone delivers dopamine kind of like high fructose corn syrup delivers sugar. Hmm. It's so saturated that our, our brain cannot handle dopamine in that level. And everything was precipitated by an agreement with my former wife and I that he was going to have one hour of cell phone use that day. We communicated it. He crossed it. I said, hey, we, we talked about this. You agreed before you were on your cell phone. Mm-hmm. It's time to turn it off. And uh, he didn't. So then I counted them down. I'm going to take away your phone in five. I'm going to take away your phone in four. I'm going to take away your phone in three. And what I got was a lot of guarding the dopamine drip behavior. Mm-hmm. And whether you're, I, I've seen six months old do this in the store that are, are getting fed their, their parents' cell phone all the way up to grown ass adults mm-hmm. that when you threaten that dopamine, there is going to be an aggressive, if not violent reaction because mm-hmm. your brain wants to continue to have that level of pleasure dumped into it. So as I talked about this with my son a, a couple days later, I said, look, here's what's happening. And there's an interesting experiment you can do uh, with turning your phone onto black and white mode mm-hmm. and just gauge, like look at it with color for about a minute and then turn it on to black and white and just feel what your body feels because it's not getting as much dopamine. Mm, I did this with my youngest son. He said he didn't like it and his feeling was nausea. I did this with my daughter. She didn't like it. She, her level was anxiety. Her word was anxiety. I did this with my former wife. Mm -hmm. We did it for 30 seconds of looking at color and the, the goal was 30 seconds of looking at black and white. She made it to five seconds before she just quit. Wow. She's like, no, no, not doing this. Not doing this. I don't like how this makes my body feel. I did this with my oldest son. His word was, I don't like this. Please stop. Please turn it back on to color. And I said, what is the feeling? And he goes, anger. Mm. So understanding that we are in a predicament right now as a society mm-hmm. that once had that level of interaction with a child. Mm-hmm. or like at least a get outside and create your own dopamine when we have babysat our children through technology mm-hmm. and then we are removing that technology mm-hmm. you're going to have some challenges with that yeah and it and it and it's just doing things like what you've done like go off the grid have board games have card games yeah. have some sort of interaction and that and that's a behavior change on everyone's part yeah. Well, and actually exactly what you've described with your 15 year olds happens with my seven year old too. Uh, when we take away the iPad after time and we've set the hour limit for the day and it goes off on a timer, but I'm going to try your trick of turning it to black. So you're saying we turn it to the black and white mode, then they will self stop like themselves will stop wanting to use it. You're going to have a visceral reaction. This yeah. is something that I do with my clients that are concerned about their level of productivity. Yeah. And the first thing I do is like, I, I tell them, go ahead and put your phone on black and white for the next week. Wow. And then email me when you turn it back on. Wow. Because the longest a client's gone without turning it back on, self-reported is two and a half days. Mm. 
And then I turned it back on. I find myself doing this. Like I'll get sucked into the Instagram or Facebook, but the second I switch it to black and white, mm-hmm. it loses its appeal. It mm-hmm. might still be interesting. It doesn't suck me in as much. So yes, experiment with this. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if your child is throwing the temper tantrum after an hour, great. Give them the consequence for that behavior. Mm-hmm. You did not end this like we had agreed upon. So tomorrow you get 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. And if you want to have an hour back again, then you will respond at the end of that time in a mature fashion. You, you will not react like this. And if, if he's seven, it might be a little early for neuroscience chemical discussions, <laughs> but you can talk through that. I understand you're going to want to keep doing this mm-hmm. and you can set up a metaphor like similar, like to dessert, right? even though it feels good to eat mom's apple pie. Do you do apple pie? Apple crisp, yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, it might feel good to eat mom's apple crisp, but have you ever ate too much and you get a tummy ache? Mm-hmm. Well, the same thing's happening to your brain, son. Mm-hmm. And you can create that metaphor and, and have that accurate neuroscientific discussion with a seven-year-old. Yeah, do no, I love that. I think it's so brilliant that it's like, and it, it's all ages. I mean, same thing's happening with us adults too, right? but it's just yes. that that it's that regulating. I mean, yeah, we've moved off the grid. We've kind of done a, a lot of cleanup around our technology, but it's still yeah. there and winter's long. And so it's, you know, yeah. longer and longer. And now I find even in grade two, he wants to come home and just go right onto that iPad and stay on there. So, you know, and right. what I've noticed though, is that we have, we've set that time limit, but you know, if something's happened or, you know, it's gone over it, I think this is where us and our family, maybe this will help some of our listeners where we've gone wrong is not kept with it. So we've, we've changed our structure and changed it. So we tried an hour a day and we were getting lots of like, like, you know, feedback from it. And then we went to like nothing for the week until weekends. And then we went to this, we kept changing our program. And I think doing what you said, where it just, if the behavior is a temper tantrum after the hour, then it goes down to less time the next day. I mean, it doesn't improve, then it goes down to less, but staying, us staying course on that instead of just giving up and figuring out another way of doing it, staying with that same one, I think would be more right. beneficial rather than and less confusing right. to kids and then them giving structure. So they know the because they can't behave properly if they don't know the rules or the regulations in the first place. And so us right. on the same page and getting those straight and what is our, what is our policy around this and figuring it out as a family? Yes. <laughs> and be ready to ride the storm Yeah, as the parent if your kid comes and tells you that I hate you, you're not my dad, what else? See, I got yelled at in Japanese. I don't speak that kind of Japanese, so that was in my favor. But some of the stuff that I got told was, uh, I hate you, you're not my dad, go back to America, and just a lot of other nonsense. Mm-hmm. If I put myself to where I am responding to that as if it were true, I am promoting energy and removing my consent and authority with the whole situation. Nothing you can do can make me not be your dad. Just straight up. You have my DNA. So I don't have to, I don't have to give any effort, any acknowledgement towards that. And as I, as I just remained focused on what is true, mm-hmm. that created the structure and the space for my kids to rapidly grow into it. So you're going to have some pushback. Mm-hmm. Think about what is that minimum viable product that you can have. If your kids or you are jonesing out on dopamine for seven, eight hours a day, going down to one hour is extreme. 
I don't think it's irresponsible. It's all in what are you willing to enforce and ride the storm and start with yourself. If you are role modeling the behavior that you come home and you turn on the TV or you turn on your iPad or you're on your phone, you have no credibility. Lay the smack down on your kids. Role model the behavior. Mm -hmm. Hey kids, I created this compartment for my phone. 30 minutes after I get home, my phone goes there and I don't touch it. Like I I plug in the cord and I do not touch it till the next day. Mm -hmm. And you do that for a week. And then you say, hey, we're going to do this as a family. Mm -hmm. Setting up those places, it starts with you. Before you can impact those relationships or your business, it starts with you taking command of your life. Yeah. Awesome. Amazing. Thank you, Paul. You've been so gracious with all your knowledge. And I think this has helped. I'm hoping this has helped. It's definitely helped me. I feel like I just got a great coaching session on some behavior patterns that we need to change and some things that we need to really think about in our house. And so I thank you for me personally, but also I know this is going to impact our listeners in a huge way. And um, where can we find out more information about you? Where can we work with you? How can we um, support your business too? Oh, thank you so much for that. Instagram, I'm at paul.gowan. My last name is spelled G-O-W-I-N. Best Mental attitude ever. Go win. Just not pronounced that way. Uh, Facebook, you can find me at Paul Gowan. Go win today. And you can also swing by my website, www.paulgowan.com. I think we're going to go ahead and just put a link to um, some of the information that I shared. You know what? How about about I give you and your listeners the worksheet that I give my clients and students when, can I change this? Yes, no, don't know. How about I just give you uh, and your listeners that access to that worksheet? Would that help out? Fantastic. Yes, we would love that. Thank you. Great. Yeah, yeah. So we'll link that up in the show notes down below. And uh, and, and thank you, Paul, for that gift. That's wonderful. And thank you so much for spending your time with us this afternoon. It's been amazing to hear from you and your insight is just amazing. So listeners, make sure you reach out to Paul. Uh, follow him on social media, reach out to him if you need some support. And thank you, Paul. We'll have you back on again in the future. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.